Welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I'm your host, Paul Speed, and today I'm sitting in the studio with my lovely wife, Jenny. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. How are you? I am doing amazing. Why are you doing amazing? Well, I'm just loving my life right now. I don't know if our listeners know, but we relocated from Tampa, Florida, the sunny Tampa, Florida, to the cold Atlanta, Georgia. It was 19 degrees outside this morning, but I'm loving it. I love the cool, cold, crisp air, a warm fire in the fireplace, and hot chocolate. Well, I love it cold when I can go down the ski slope, but other than that, (laughs) I love the warmth of Florida. Yeah, my Florida boys uh, not been quite as excited about being here in the cold weather as I am, but it's good. Change is good. Yeah, that's quite all right. (laughs) So today, we want to talk about our story. Jenny uh, and I, uh, part of the ministry that God has given us, it really de- it was born out of our own story. So we want to start kind of back at our wedding day. We were married in 1988, and I remember how spiritual we were, and uh, everything about our lives was mission-minded, and we were um, always serving and giving somewhere. And we laugh sometimes, and our kids laugh because they say, "Mom, Dad, we don't know of anybody that could have had a more spiritual wedding than you guys." <laughs> I can remember just last week, uh, our kids were up, and they had some friends visiting with them, and somehow some wedding pictures or something got pulled out, and my kids started laughing at my bouquet because I literally carried an open Bible down the aisle, and I thought that was wonderful. It was an open Bible with flowers cascading off of it, and uh, but for some reason, my twenty-something-year-old uh, college kids thought that was a little dorky, but uh, as they grow up, they'll they'll one day probably have a change of heart and see the importance of having God's Word right there at the beginning of our marriage. Absolutely. Well, I remember we prayed before we were married and asked God to give us a verse, a verse that um, would kind of um, give us a direction and focus of our marriage and our life together. And I remember John 17, 20, 21, 22, 23, it was a kind of a group of verses but the what we had engraved on our napkins, and I don't know if we had it on our invitations Absolutely or not. Absolutely, we had it. On, I can't believe you don't remember. Well, I remember yes. it on the napkins for sure. <laughs> yes, we had it on our napkins and our inv- invitations. And uh, that scripture was the scripture that the Lord had given us as we were praying about our marriage and asking the Lord to, to give us focus and vision for our marriage. And I remember that we kind of wrote our own little version on our napkins, and uh, and it went like this: Father, make them one, as you and I are one, that the world may see and believe that you have sent me. And I think that began to be the whole foundation and the testimony of our marriage. We hoped that others would see our marriage, and see the oneness that we had with one another, and that that oneness would be a testimony to the world that Jesus Christ was real. That's what those verses meant to us. And obviously, yeah, I remember that was kind of what we felt. Uh, looking back now, I think both of us can look back and say we didn't really understand what oneness meant. You know, we knew it. Too. No, it sounded good, though. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded really good. That's why we put it on our napkins. So it, it did sound really good. And we knew we wanted it, whatever it was. And I remember us praying um, often that God would make us one, again, that our lives would testify of Christ Jesus coming um, to earth. And that's what we wanted um, but it all kind of started there. And, you know, you and I, two broken individuals coming into marriage with uh, whatever the baggage from our past. But I remember for me personally coming into marriage, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect, obviously. And then um, when things started getting rough or conflicts or we had um, disagreements, 
you know, I kind of always went back. I went to what always worked for me, and that was usually shutting down, um, not communicating, um, and therefore that would trigger the things inside of you. But I didn't. I, I, I had an inability almost to be able to enter into um, conversations that were difficult. And, um, and so when those things would happen in our marriage, if I felt you were disappointed with me, if I felt I had done something wrong or you had felt I had done something wrong, you were unhappy in any way, then I always tend to run back to that place and I would just clam up. And um, when I would clam up, obviously that would trigger those things in your life. And um, it didn't take long into our marriage or far into our marriage. And we began to see this became almost a normal pattern. And it was a normal pattern for like those first 14 years of our marriage of a wife who loves to communicate and wants to communicate and talk through issues and and discuss things uh, with a husband who didn't, didn't know how really. Uh, wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to, it's I really didn't know how. So it had a huge effect on us. But what were those 14 years like with you, Jenny? Well, just even sitting here, Paul, talking about that, I remember our first um, real big explosion as a newlywed couple. Sadly, it was just a few weeks into our marriage. And I remember that you had just for some reason pulled back, shut down. You weren't talking. You weren't communicating. You came home from work every day. And I was excited to see you and share about my day and my frustrations and uh, the good things. A lot of times it, there were it was frustrations because, you know, I was a newlywed and I was going through all this change of moving uh, out of the city into the country and living out in this cabin out in the woods. And I remember when you'd come home and I'd, you'd say, how are your, was your day? And I'd start sharing, well, this and this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden, I would see you pull back and shut down. And I didn't really realize what was going on. I had no clue. And so as you would shut down, I would start to spiral in, uh, because of my own lies and my own issues. And I would get more, I would get angry and frustrated with you of, why, why are you not talking to me? I was just trying to tell you about my day. And then I can remember the first big blowout was over that issue of you just called me one day from work or and told me that you were going to go play basketball with the guys. And we hadn't really been talking for the last two weeks. There had been a lot of distance between us. And I remember showing up there at that basketball gym and I had my bags packed and I said, uh, look, I'm not going to live in a marriage that's full of silence. If you can't talk to me, then I'm going home and I'm going to go to my families and find people who can communicate and talk with me. And I remember very clearly, Paul, that you stepped outside the gym. We sat in the car together, and you said to me something very interesting. You said, Jenny, I don't want to be this way. I know that something is broken inside of me, and I don't know how to fix it. Please help me. And that was... Um, you know, I didn't leave, but I remember us both looking at each other and we knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something wrong with the way that I was reacting to you closing down and shutting off, but I didn't know why you closed off and shut off, shut down. And you didn't know why I uh, was so difficult to live with, right. basically. Right. Well, I always saw as the times went on and on and we had more of those type situations, um, because I didn't know how to fix myself. I didn't really know what was wrong with me. Um, I would turn that into just blaming you. In other words, if you were more whatever, um, if you didn't get angry, if you were more submissive, if you would just listen to me, if you would do what I wanted. So 
what happened was I began to turn all of my issue that was really inside of me and I turned it on you. In other words, my wife is my problem. If she would just be happy, then I would be okay. Or if, you know, if you would be more loving or if you would be more whatever. So the problem with it was I didn't know how to fix myself. And I'm not so sure either one of us did either. And because of that, I began to turn that into years of blaming you. Um, in doing that is what led to another problem, and that was for a lot of my adolescent life growing up, um, pornography, lust, masturbation, when those things came in, those things began to be the kind of the comfort food that I ran to when I did feel bad, or when I was in a conflict, when things didn't go well and I felt like a failure or a loser. So here we are into marriage now as a Christian couple, we want to save the world, go on the mission field, etc., and it didn't take long, and those began to be the, the, the drug of choice, so to speak, that I ran back to, unbeknownst to you for 14 years, but that's what I went back to, was the same things that I grew up with um, of lust as a way to medicate myself or make myself feel better about who I was. You know, and looking back over those first 14 years of marriage, we had good times. There was good times that we had as a married couple and as a mother and a father uh, with all of our children. But we were like on a roller coaster ride. We would do well for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, and then all of a sudden, boy, we would take a dive. And the dives were bad. Uh, you would shut down clothes off. I would do something to offend you or shut you down. And, you know, I don't want to in any way excuse my anger. My anger was wrong just in the same way that you protected yourself by running to the things that you found uh, comfort in, the pornography and, and all those things. I used anger as a comforter. I know that sounds really strange maybe to our listeners, but a lot of times we will allow anger to be our friend. We feel that anger protects us. It keeps us safe. And so we will go to anger as a, as a way of protecting and comforting ourselves. And that's what I did. It's what I had done my whole life, that when I felt hurt or threatened, I would immediately go into the angry controlling moment. Uh, uh, moment. And so I was damaging the marriage just as much as you were, but we were both caught in this spiral of blame, 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 blame. Yeah. And I love what you said as far as it, it's a place of safety. And uh, we all grow up with different things that we look to. And again, it could be a drug for somebody. It could be anything. But for me, pornography, lust, and those things just seemed to be a safe place to go where I felt better about who I was. It always brought the guilt and the shame afterwards. And especially now being a married man, and um, wanting to be a godly husband and love my wife. And now I've got this part of me which is hidden from my wife, which is destroying me. And, um, and yet it's still what I run to because it makes me feel better about myself. It really was a huge trap of bondage in my life. And <clears throat> the worst part of it is, again, you know, you asked me multiple times over 14 years because we would hear of other couples that are struggling with something similar. And you would say, Paul, do you ever struggle with pornography? Have you ever struggled with masturbation since we've been married? And of course, I would lie. I would lie to you and say, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. And I did that for 14 years. So with everything else going on, my own issues of inability to communicate and not talking, not engaging you um, in difficult conversations or really about any decision-making type process, um, not only doing that, but yet I also have this hidden part of my life that I am allowing. And it, it wasn't always there. It had its high moments and it had its low moments where, you know, I didn't give in. But nevertheless, 
it was there and it always had power. It was just like a, um, it's being in bondage is like a hook in a fish. In other words, you're not free. You can swim around all you want and the fisherman can let you do that all you want. But when he's ready, he yanks that rod and he pulls that hook and there you are trapped again and he does whatever he wants with you. But again, he could click that button and let it go and the fish can swim, swim, swim. And I know that's what my life was like. And there were times where, again, I, I thought I was free. I thought that everything would be great from here on. But it didn't take long. It just took a little conflict. It just took some disappointment in my life. And boom, I'm right back to where I was. Mm, that's so good. The analogy of the fisherman with the, the fish on the line and the fish thinks that he's free because he's swimming. But it's only because the fisherman has let the line out. He still has a hook in his mouth. And I think that's so true that there were times in our marriage that you thought you were okay uh, because you hadn't fallen in maybe six months or a year. But the truth was you still had that hook. And whenever the enemy got ready, he would just yank on it and reel you back in. And as you said, I didn't know any of this. This was all hidden to me. All I knew was that my husband was uh, shut down, pulled away from me, and our marriage was really in trouble, but I didn't know how to fix it. Right. So that's going to lead us to the incredible change that took place in our lives. But before we do that, let's take a short break. So stick with us. We'll be right back. To my shock and dismay, I discovered my husband was committing adultery. I thought my marriage was over and our family destroyed. But after attending a Whatever It Takes marriage intensive a little over a year ago, today my marriage is better than it's ever been. God has healed my broken heart and set my husband free from years of bondage. I can truly say I love my husband. To find help and healing, go to WhipMinistries.com or call 336-310-5050. Welcome back. Jenny and I have been talking today about our story, meaning what, what's marriage been like, 14 years of um, really my deceit toward her in regards to an issue with pornography, but then also just the disconnect and not communicating with her and what that was doing in our marriage. But the big change for Jenny and I came in November of 2002. Um, I, d- I knew I was wrong. I knew that there, there was a breakdown in our marriage, and for some reason, something inside of me said, you just need to tell her. So one night, Jenny and I went out on the porch after putting the kids to bed, and, and I began. Um, I started very small. Uh, I probably had no intentions whatsoever of telling her everything, but I thought if I could just tell her a little bit about what I've done, maybe I would feel better. Maybe our relationship would change. Maybe I would change. So I did, and I threw a few things out to her about um, some failures with pornography over the 14 years, but just a few. And Jenny was shocked, obviously, um, because she had thought I was the purest man she'd ever met. And um, this kind of began a process in both of us. I had no intention really at this point of sharing it all, but that happened very quickly. Yes, absolutely. I was shocked. I remember just uh, sitting there and thinking, oh my gosh, uh, he's been lying to me. He's he's now telling me these things that I have asked him about for 14 years, and he's not told the truth. And then in one moment, I was extremely uh, upset about that. But then in the other moment, I was like, but wait a minute, maybe this could be the key to why there's been so much stress in our marriage. Maybe this could be the key to why he's been so shut down from me and not communicated with me most of this these 14 years. Well, I think things were happening so fast once that information was given to you. And 
you're trying to figure out how do I respond as a godly woman, as a godly wife. But um, And you did that first night. I mean, after we shared, you asked a few questions and we went to bed and everything was kind of happy until uh, Yeah, until sunrise. the morning, until sunrise. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say that when a woman or a man, it doesn't matter whether it's a woman or a man, goes through betrayal in their lives, um, the natural stages that they'll go through is stage one will be denial. I can't really believe this is happening. Uh, I don't know if I even want to, to believe that it's happening. Stage two is uh, anger. Uh, okay, I've accepted that it's happened, and now I'm very angry. Uh, stage three is grief. Now I've accepted it, I've been angry about it, and now I'm very sorrowful about it. And then hopefully if we can help someone process through those first three stages, hopefully we can get them to the fourth stage, which is healing and hope. Uh, a lot of times what happens is we, we get stuck in one of those first three stages. And so for me, denial was short. <laughs> I think this was uh, about 10 o'clock at night when Paul came to me and said, can we talk? And he shared with me. He said, you know, I think there's some things that I probably need to share that I've never told you before. And as he began to, to do that, uh, denial lasted till, like he said, sunrise the next morning. And then I went into the anger phase. Right. So that kind of led us to a part, um, to a place really, where we both humbled ourselves. We didn't know what to do. You were distraught. I was distraught. I didn't know if our marriage was going to end, what was going to happen. But I remember us praying together during that time, um, as difficult as even praying together was. And God spoke to us. God spoke to us, Psalm 51, 6. And he said, that says, I desire truth in your inmost being. And in that hidden place or part, I will give wisdom. And we knew we needed wisdom. We needed big time help. We didn't know where to turn. We had um, sought out counseling from a couple of people, pastors and counselors, and it just seemed to fall flat. It seemed to be the same old answers that I knew were going to deliver the same old results that um, I had tried over the years, which was usually don't tell anybody those type things, you know, you know, and I knew we needed something different. So when God spoke that to us, I desire truth in your most being, you and I looked at each other and said, you know what, God wants us to be 100% truthful honest with one another. In other words, what lies and deceits is in our heart. We need to get it out. And in that way, God can give us wisdom. And you and I set out on a process of um, seven nights, seven days and seven nights. Really, we didn't have it timed that way. We just said, you know, until further notice, anything that comes to your mind from the past, a memory, something comes up, let's be honest and open and share with one another. And that really became the, a huge thing of what we call coming clean with one another. It was um, powerful. It was sad at times. It was sickening at times. And um, with the memories and all the failures, all the things in my life, your life. But you know, as we processed through that, it really did begin to draw us back to one another, uh, a commitment level that we really didn't have before. And out of that, I think, is what put us on the road to recovery is because we had brought everything out of darkness and we had brought it into the light. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was the beginning. Um, there's no doubt about that, that November 18, 2002 was actually the beginning of our marriage and not the end of our marriage. And I remember, Paul, that one of the reasons that we were willing to do the hard thing, the, re the reason we were willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get through this was I remember that I was angry and I 
uh, was expressing my anger in our bedroom. The door was closed, but I was very angry that you had lied to me and because you began to disclose uh, places that you had gone that were ungodly and just other things that had gone on in these 14 years of being the perfect Christian couple. And our children heard that. And I remember going outside and the kids looking at us and asking, Mommy, Daddy, what's wrong? Why are you angry, Mommy, at Daddy? What, what is going on? And it was looking in the eyes of those children that gave us the fortitude to be able to say, we're willing to do whatever it takes to process through this and get to the other side because we don't want our marriage to end in divorce. And, you know, I think that's real key there. And also, just the word process, you said that a moment ago. You know, I don't want our listeners to think that coming clean uh, with your spouse is the answer, because it's not. It's part of the answer. But just coming clean is not the whole answer. You have to process through that in a healthy way. And so I don't encourage people to listen to this podcast, run home, dump everything on your spouse, and think you're going to get fixed. No, you need to walk through the process. And that's the the joy of what you and I do today, is that God has given us this amazing ministry uh, to be able to help people walk through that same process that we went through that really did bring freedom and restoration and healing in our lives and in our marriage. Well, at the time, seeing that we didn't really have a, a roadmap other than what God was showing us by His grace as we went through it, um, it was a process, and it took time. And each person, each couple that goes through, some, and we've worked with hundreds of couples over the years now, but I think you and I agree that each one takes their own specific amount of time. You can't look at one situation and say, oh, well, you should be past this by now because we were, this couple was. It's different for everybody based on their emotional wounds and issues from their past and, and, and the way they process through hurts and so forth. Yes, but we have to remember the what's where people get stuck is that they're not really processing through. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, a man will stay in his place where he's not really seeking brokenness. He's not really, really seeing what his sin has done. Or maybe it's a woman who's had uh, brought hurt into the marriage and she's just looking at her spouse saying, okay, I've confessed everything. When are you going to get over it? Uh, The key is, you said it a minute ago, is not just acknowledging our failures, but literally doing the hard things to process with our spouse through them to that point of hope and healing. Well, I think what God taught us in that year, um, which now we teach at my Four Days to Freedom, we teach at the Wit Couples and so forth, as far as our steps to freedom, um, from what I've seen, I think couples we help do get a little fast track based on what you and I had. And that's what I meant. In other words, you and I didn't really have a roadmap. God was giving us one. And we didn't know it at the time, but you know, six months, a year later, we're able to look back and go, wow, this is how you can do this. And that's why when God began to bring couples into our lives to help, uh, we began to give them what we call specific steps, specific steps to recovery, to reconciliation in their marriage, to becoming one in their marriage, and not allowing the trash of the past, whatever the, the trouble, the things that have happened in their life that have brought the discord, but finding that, you know what, you don't have to cut and run, but God can heal and restore this relationship. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, We've seen hundreds of couples that 
you know, the church, the world would have said they should have divorced. But yet we've seen them restored, not just surviving, but literally restored and thriving. Uh, I mean, I could sit here and my mind goes to just couple after couple after couple. But again, they were willing to do whatever it took to work through the process. Uh, Stop blaming each other, but looking at their individual issues and struggles and finding hope and healing in those. And I'm very, very grateful that you were willing to do that. You know, Paul, I remember that soon after you came clean with me, we began to go to counselors. I think we went to two or three counselors afterwards. And the theme was always the same. And I am not speaking against um, modern counseling. There's some wonderful biblical sound counselors out there and uh, wonderful pastors that have a lot of good wisdom. But for us, it always came back to one thing. It always just came back to everyone looking at me as the wife and saying, I just needed to get on with it. I needed to Uh, forgive you and move on without ever processing through what got you there in the first place you know what what caused you to go there and so I think that's the difference in what we do is that we want to help couples not just move on but we want to help them understand what got them to where they are in the first place so they don't go back to it and that's what's been the joy of our marriage is I can truly say Paul that you are a different man there's absolutely no doubt about it I mean, I can, obviously there's been no moral failure in uh, 13 years now, 14 years, right? 14 years and no moral failure. I completely have confidence in you in that area. And that's not even something I fear anymore. But then also in this, the, this area that came even before the moral failure was the, the fact that you could not deal with any type of stress, confrontation in the relationship, and that would lead you to the pornography. That part of you has completely changed because I can just tell our listeners that even this morning we had a little bit of a confrontation and because we're, we're human and we live in relationship and relationship is hard. Marriage is hard work. You have to constantly be working to, to die to yourself and to hear the heart of the other person, to understand one another. And so I know this morning there is opportunity for uh, you to close up and pull away, and you chose not to do that. And I think it was just we got up. It was really cold outside, 19 degrees. We had to get our girls off to their uh, school program that they had today. And so um, you handed me the keys and said, you want to run them down there? (laughs) And so that hurt my feelings because I was like, gee, you know, it's really cold outside and he's going to send his wife out in the cold. And, and so I judged you from that. I made a judgment to you uh, towards you that you didn't cherish me, that you would send the wife out in the cold. And truthfully, you were probably just thinking about the things that you needed to get done to prepare us to go about our day so that we could head to the studio and get the podcast done. But all of a sudden, I started spiraling when I came back in from dropping off the girls. Uh, I'm spiraling because I'm now hurt at you because I don't feel you cherished me. And so then I sat down with you and said, hey, before we head off to the studio to do this podcast today, can we sit down and talk through this? Now, a lot years ago before coming clean and us walking through this process what would you have done immediately when i said that well i would have shut down i would have became defensive and um pouted 
you know, blamed you um, in my heart. And that would have caused me to completely pull away. I'm, I would have been there physically as far as looking at you, maybe engaging you to some degree, but emotionally totally disconnected. Yes. And then when you disconnected and, and turned and you would have walked away from me and not said a word, then I would have reacted to you in anger. I would have raised my voice. Which would have justified my blaming. Absolutely. That's what we do. That's what blame does. Absolutely. That would have justified you. But instead today we were, I was able to sit down with you, say, Hey, can we talk about this, honey? I, I just need to share with you how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling that you weren't cherishing me this moment, this morning, uh, when you, you know, when that happened and you responded to me in a loving, kind way. And you said, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to not cherish you. I was just busy trying to get things going. And will you please forgive me for that? And I was able to respond. Yes, certainly it was no big deal. I don't mind going out in the cold. I'm the one that likes the cold. So it wasn't like I really minded it at all. But it was just one of those moments where the enemy comes in and says, yeah, look, he doesn't cherish you. And we have to stop ourselves in those moments and not allow the enemy to take us into that spiral of blaming one another. So we did great. And since leaving Florida, I thought this morning, being the coldest morning we've had so far, would be the the best time ever to help you just enjoy this Georgia weather and what a <laughs> yeah, cold right. winter's like. So I thought, why right. rob you of that yeah, by right. me taking the girls? Why rob me of the joy? That's right. right. But I think what's interesting about it is what you said in that so many of these other things God's been able to change in my life. Um, but it's come through the same steps and principles that he took us through with the hidden sin in our lives. In other words, and this is what I teach men at four days, it's not just about coming with a sexual addiction or pornography addiction. Like I said, I have guys come with anger, drug addictions, anything else, um, or they just tend to disconnect from their spouse. But if they'll apply the same steps and principles, they're universal for believers. And that's how freedom, that's how we find freedom in our lives. And, um, but if they'll apply them just like that, I had no idea that's what God was doing inside of me. I'm thinking I'm just figuring out ways to not ever fail again morally. But what's beginning to happen in me is this change inside of me to where, you know what, I don't disconnect. I do engage. I see it as important to be there for someone else and to take responsibility and to not blame. So all of these things, that's what's kind of cool about it is the things that we teach at our marriage, um, the freedom and the hope. These things are universal and they do cover lots of other areas because oftentimes the root in us is the same. The fruit may be disconnecting, never talking to me, etc. It may be pornography. It may be a sexual addiction or something else. Those are the fruits, but the root comes back to our pride, our selfishness, those type things. And when we begin to see and recognize that and deal with that, then everything about our lives change. Which is where we are today, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, not just the pride and the selfishness, which is definitely the root, but what happens is we're hurt, and then out of our hurt, we go to pride and selfishness. Uh, because we hurt, we justify that we don't have to lay down our lives for the other person, that we don't have to um, die to ourselves, but instead we retaliate by whatever means we're used to. Like I said, for, for me, my retaliation was to go to that angry, controlling Uh, personality and yours was to withdraw and pull away but this has been great I've really enjoyed this podcast this has I enjoyed it and I'm glad we've been able to reflect back on our story to give the listeners a better overview as far as not just what is WIT Ministries but who are we and how did we get to where we are and I know we're both grateful for where we are today 
So I'd like to thank you for listening and tuning in today. And if you've got further questions and want to know more about Whatever It Takes Ministries or how we can help you in that way, please contact us through our website or you can call us. Our phone number is also on our website. And thank you again for joining us today. So until next time, remember, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes.